Father God, we thank you for your presence among us. For when you turn toward us in your fullness, when you walked from a family into the lives of humanity, when you truly were the light from the light, the world began to get a glimpse, just a glimpse of the one who created and gave us all life. Lord, as we come together as future reflectors of that light that walked among us, we are aware that that light shall return. And we yearn, Lord, for the full creation to bear the glory of the one who made it all. We come today to hear the voices of the prophets, to remember and to celebrate what it means to be a part of the panorama of Scripture that unfolds from Genesis until the final revelation that comes from God is revealed. Bless us this morning as we worship, as we once again begin yet another year of life within the Christian calendar, that we start off anew and afresh in preparation for the celebration of the turning of God toward humanity in its fullest expression, and as we know it in the birth of Jesus, the child who is the Christ, or in his name we pray, amen. The beauty of the music today has been awe-inspiring for the beautiful musical accompaniment of our children to the words from Scripture as they unfolded Scripture for us, those young hearts learning and memorizing the Scriptures in order that they might proclaim them to us. If that doesn't touch your hearts, I'm sorry, for it certainly should touch any heart. When from the mouth of the youngest comes the words that are the strongest. To see the touch of God in our midst is truly an amazing thing. The gift of music is such a blessing in the way that it helps us all to turn toward God. And to see the gift as it unfolds through lives is even a more precious experience for those who are close. To think about David writing that song, putting it to music. And sharing it with us. To think about the expression of his faith that he has in music as he leads us in worship Sunday after Sunday. is a gift that only God can give. And yet it's one that must be willing to be shared in order for us to receive it. And I thank David for those words as obviously his journey in education in the past year has been touching him. And inspiring him in new and important ways. I hope those words inspired you because we need inspiration in Advent. Because let's face it, Advent is a time when we sometimes can get a little dull. We sometimes can get a little almost immune to it all. Because we have walked the walk of Advent for so many years. We have celebrated the cycle of it in our faith. And we know what the four Sundays are in Advent. We know about the stories of Advent and the stories of Christmas. We also know it is an incredibly busy time, is it not? 
And yet we know in the midst of this crazy, busy time, we are called to wait. We are called to wait and prepare for the coming of the Son of God, for the salvation of humankind and for our own salvation. It is a time to prepare our hearts and to focus on what it means to be a Christ follower. We're going to read two passages of Scripture this morning. You're hearing a lot of Scripture today, so enjoy. It is within itself really the message. But before I read the first text, which comes from Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, let me just give you a little background. After the Babylonian captivity, when Israel was destroyed, the temple in ruins, somewhere after that time in 586 B.C., somewhere between that and the destruction of the temple, people were gathering in Babylon because they had been conquered. They had been killed and destroyed and scattered, and there they were in the Babylonian captivity. And year after year, they waited for God's redemption. Well, words that I'll read in just a moment are, are a prayer that are both a lament and also a plea to God. A lament to say, we have suffered long enough. A plea to say, come, O God, and deliver us once again. Show our enemies your power. We are your people, they remind God. Yes, we have sinned, and yes, we have turned away from you, and yes, we have been stubborn in all our ways, but you and we, we belong together. We are your people, fallen though we may be. We need your hand of deliverance. Don't hide your face from us forever, the scriptures say. And still, through it all, they continue to speak words of trust. In their day of darkness, suffering the consequences of their own sin, realizing that they have made a mess of their lives. Sound familiar? Still, their trust in God is strong, though they are just a bare image of who they were created to be as the people of God. And so... Isaiah writes to them, saying, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles a brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name. Who arouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us. And have delivered us into the power 
of our iniquities. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. Do not be, be angry beyond measure, O oh Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now, all of us are your people. A God of judgment, a God of promise. A people of iniquity and sin who are reaping the consequences of their actions. Almost their complete destruction in the midst of it, still they cling to the hope that God will come back to them. Display his power again amongst them. The words of Isaiah come to the people of Israel, what's left of them, as a word that shocks them, as jolts them, as wakens them into thinking about new possibilities for deliverance and for wholeness. Even in the midst of their own personal and communal brokenness. Feelings of helplessness and hopelessness are common when people feel that God is absent. Feelings of helplessness and hopelessness are common when a people look around at their world and even as a people of the faith, they know that the world has taken the world to places that God never intended. Even in the midst of those circumstances, those same people, even as we, hold on to the promises of God. For we are the clay. God is the potter. And he will remake us into his own image. This passage calls for the return of God to his people. And it also lends itself well to the reality of the scripture that tells us that that same Christ who did come, who did come to reach out to God's people, will come again. And the passage from Mark speaks to that truth in Mark 13, verses 24 through 37. Its main message is simply this, the words that which ends. Wait. Be alert. Don't fall asleep. I am returning. Mark writes, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heavens, and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then there's a paragraph, not seen in the scripture, inserted by Doug, that says, And all those people who thought it could not possibly be true, fell over, prostrate, mouths wide open, Gaping at the reality of a holy God that could invade history once again. And they wished they could turn back the clock for their disbelief. They wished that they were not paralyzed with fear in the face of the Holy One of God. Who in some miraculous way is coming to create a new heaven and a new earth that is not scientifically possible. Paragraph ended. And scripture begins again. And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. 
Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognizing that he, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that hour and that day, no one knows. No one knows. Paragraph inserted. Again, from the author Doug. Don't waste your money on those who claim to know. They don't know. The Son of Man did not know. And no human will know. He will come suddenly when we least expect it. And he will find us awake for we are his children. But we do not know when that day will be. Maybe it will be before dark tonight. Oh, preacher, we've been waiting 2,000 years. You might not wait another 10 minutes. Aren't you glad you're here? Where else would you want to be? Oh, preacher, you don't really believe that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Christ will return. And it will be beyond anything I can conceive of. Only it can be alluded to in Scripture. And when he comes, the world's new creation will begin. And you say, it's just not possible. Don't worry, we have an altar for you. Come and repent, for all things are possible with God. Paragraph closed. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone knows the time. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. This is the word of preparation. Be on the alert. Be ready for the Christ to come. Yes, it's hard. After all, we've got Christmas to celebrate. What is this thing in the cycle of Christian faith that calls upon us to for four Sundays to look forward to the coming of Jesus? For goodness sakes, he's already come. Yes, he has. But the wonderful thing about turning and the process of turning in Scripture is we don't just turn once to God. We turn to God over and over again. And the wonderful story in the panorama of Scripture is that God is continually turning toward us. It's the story of the whole Old Testament, how God turned toward a people and made them his own. And when they ran off from him, he ran after them. And it occurred over and over and over of cycles of sin and disobedience and obedience, but still a wayward people could not find themselves constantly alert, constantly in tune, constantly in an intimate relationship with the God who had saved them from themselves. And so God says, I'm going to turn again. One last time, I'm going to turn. And when he turned, he sent Jesus. This is his final plan until his final return. He sent Jesus. Buy the Christmas presents. Go do your shopping. 
plan your parties, plan your family gatherings, do all of those things. But remember this. As followers of Christ, this is a season about turning to God. And the world needs to see the people of God turn to God. For as certainly as God has turned toward us, we must turn back to God. Those are the dual actions of repentant hearts. The continual process of guiding us along a journey requires us to continually look for the signposts in our lives that are beckoning to us to turn, begging to us to turn, begging the people of God to be the people of God. Sin has its consequences. And they weigh heavy on us in this season, in the world in which we live. We, the church, must be that beacon of light that reminds the world that there's another way to live. Larger than our incomes, larger than our retirement accounts, larger than our human concerns upon this earth, that is eternal and everlasting. Are you alert? Are you ready? For as certainly as Christ came 2,000 years ago, as certainly as he came to be among us, to live among us, and to die among us, he will return again. And until that time, we are called to remember his coming. And we remember his coming regularly and often as we break and celebrate the sacraments.